Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is Natalia Sylvester. Natalia is the author of two novels for adults, Chasing the Sun and Everyone Knows You Go Home, which won an International Latino Book Award. Born in Lima, Peru, she grew up in Miami, Central Florida, and South Texas, and received a BFA from the University of Miami. Running is her young adult debut. She lives in Austin, Texas. Bienvenida a este episodio, Natalia. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much. Natalia, tell me about growing up in Miami and South Texas, two very different regions. I'm familiar with El Valle de Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, you know, um, as you mentioned, I was born in Lima, Peru. And so when I uh, when we moved to the U.S., I was about four. Mm-hmm. And we had family in Miami. So my grandparents were there, my cousins, my aunts and uncles. And um, around my early tween, teen years, because of my father's job, we mm-hmm. moved first to Central Florida and then to South Texas. Mm-hmm. So it's funny to me because I look back and I realize that, you know, my life has been defined not just by moving from one country to another and being, you know, like this, um, this part of my identity as an immigrant, but also just moving even once we got here right. to, um, you know, moving across uh, from city to city, state, state to state. And I think it really made me from a very early age be aware of um, our deep connections to place. Mm-hmm. And I had such a longing for connections to a place because I didn't have many memories. I think I maybe have like one memory mm. of um, of Lima. And mm. I, I grew up, like my family was very um, mindful of making sure I felt um, like that I, knew, I learned my culture and I felt connected to my roots. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at the same time, I just didn't have like this tangible um, memory of it. So I think I looked, I, I would look through that I would, or I would seek that out in places that I went. Um, so I think that, um, for me anyways, kind of moving between, you know, Miami and South Texas and then, and then eventually we did move back to Miami. Um, I've always wanted to know, like, what are the places we get to call home, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I keep going back to this idea that if a place has shaped you in some significant way, then even if you've moved from it then it's a part of you forever and you carry it with you. Mm-hmm. And um, so to me, those places are Miami and Central Florida and the Valley. And um, and like you, you said, they are very different, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, they're also similar in some ways, at least particularly in Miami and um, in Valley, just because, you know, they have such strong Latinx communities and, mm-hmm. and certainly both are from, majority from different regions like so in, in, in central in south texas and you know it's, it's a very large mexican central american community um some of which go back generations being here in texas um and then in miami you know i remember like growing up around people from all over um not just latin america but south america and the caribbean um but really all over the world right. and i think i felt a sense of home in that because I could, yeah, I could relate so much to that. Right. I mean, that idea of home, the idea of home um, for immigrants, especially if you've moved, 
you know, a lot. It, it can be tricky, right? I, I, I have uh-huh. conversations with my students about this. Um, just recently, we, we were able to reflect about what, what is home, right? Um, uh, I've been in the States for longer than I, than I ever was in Mexico, and mm-hmm. so for me, home is is here now. And, and and to think that home is Ohio is strange to me. Uh, but mm-hmm. this is where I lived the most, even though I've moved around a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the idea of home and belonging um, can become a little complicated um, when, you know, thinking yeah. about like where I grew up in Mexico, it's is no longer home. It, 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 it yeah. hasn't been home for for many years now. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's complicated, but I also think there's something really beautiful in that complexity mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, we don't have to be defined by one thing. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the first time I, w- I did go back to Peru, even though I didn't recognize any of the places, um, because like I said, I didn't have memory of them. Mm-hmm. They did feel like a part of me like hmm. I, yeah. I felt like maybe they recognized a part of me even though that sounds very strange but like I I did I felt like there's something here that feels very welcoming you yeah. know and and it's different from how I feel um, in the U.S. but um but it's okay it's okay that it's that um rich and complex mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's something I've come to embrace over time yes Natalia, your novels seem to be located in the areas where you have lived or to be mm-hmm. part in of your own history, even if only yeah. geographically. For example, um, your first novel, Chasing the Sun, is set in Peru, and it deals with a period of civil and political unrest. Uh, while Everyone Knows You Go Home is set in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas, and, incorp- and it incorporates uh, the Dia de los Muertos tradition and belief, among other things. Tell me about writing these stories. Uh, what did you want to tell the readers about each of these places? Mm. Yeah, um, so Chasing the Sun is, like you mentioned, it's set in Lima during in the 90s. So this is the time of the internal conflict in Peru, the time of um, Pinero Luminoso, and um, the time of a lot of violence. And for me, I actually wrote it in order to better understand my family history because um, when I was three and my family still lived in Peru, my grandfather was kidnapped for ransom. Mm. And, um, and this is something that, you know, sadly is not uncommon. Right. Um, you know, I've spoken to so many people from all parts of Latin America who at one point in their family history might have a similar story. Um, for, so for a long time, I resisted writing it because I just thought, well, it's so common. I shouldn't, you know, why would I write about it? And then you realize, wait, if something is such a shared experience, maybe that's why we need to like, you know, add our stories to it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I really just wanted to understand like what does an event this traumatic, um, how does it create like ripple effects through a family's history? And, um, and so that's really where Chasing the Sun came from. Uh, it was interesting in that I, I did have to do a lot more research than I, um, not that I anticipated because I did anticipate knowing like a, a lot of research. I wanted to be true to the place to 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 Lima and the time period, which was a time when I no longer lived there and couldn't possibly remember. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, I was really pulling from memories of when I'd gone later in the '90s with my family. Um, I was pulling from interviews with my own family members and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with everyone knows, um, because I lived in the valley, um, and I you know 
it, it was to me about the places that we move through and how we can feel caught in between. And so, you know, I, I grew up so close to the border that it also, and yet we couldn't cross it when I was living there because we were still getting all our immigration mm-hmm. papers sorted mm-hmm. through and they're kind of slowly moving through the system. So it was like this weird, it felt arbitrary, like that there's this invisible line we cannot cross. Right. And um, and yet it shapes so much of our lives, right? And so for me, everyone knows you go home was very much about those borders and not mm-hmm. just the physical ones, but the spiritual ones, mm-hmm. the emotional ones we carry when the past is too hard to talk about. Um, so with the the reason that, um, you know, Omad's spirit comes back on the Los Muertos is because he's making this really, he's, he's crossing over spiritually, and yet he finds that his family is not, um, they, he's been estranged from them, so they don't necessarily embrace him. Mm. And as I, read the, as I read, wrote that story, I realized that this is the story of how we, um, of what happens when you, you as an immigrant, you, Take it upon yourself this really hard journey only mm. to not feel welcome. Um, and so it just, it was really full of dualities for me. And um, it's also about just the beauty of life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though it's a lot about death, I wanted to show that the, those two things always exist and we're not mm-hmm. only like expressions of our most painful moments. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, and, and, and in each of them, it is, it's always, to me, it's always connected to place. Like I can't imagine any any of my novels having <laughs> been set anywhere else than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Great. Um, and that's why running is placed in Miami, Florida, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so your latest novel, Running, which is, uh, you know, is coming out this summer, you explore something different. Um, is your mm-hmm. first young adult novel set in Miami, and it focuses on Mari, a 15-year-old Cuban-American girl whose father is running for president but who has been in politics for most of his life. In it, you explore the lives of teens, including technology, but also growing up bicultural and bilingual, and being the daughter of a politician, which can be complicated, mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine. What I liked most about this novel is that it isn't a typical coming-of-age Latina story. Um, it, um, there's really no romance or, you know, there is a there is a little bit about um, identity and, and but but she doesn't really have to find her identity as a Cuban-American um, young girl. Right. Um, it's one that focuses on the work of activism and leadership for her, for young for young Latinas. Tell me about writing this novel. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for those words. Um, you know, I think all of those stories are very important to tell, like whether it is a, a coming of age Latina story, somebody, you know, finding out about it, like what, stepping into their identity, mm-hmm. learning what it means, or whether it's a romance or all of those things are absolutely um, worth being told. I just happened to have wanted to tell this one at this given time um, because I started writing it. Um, the spark came for it when I was watching in 2016. So, you know, we're in the middle of all this election. I'm watching mm-hmm. the coverage. Mm-hmm. And I saw um, a speech in which one of the candidates was in the foreground. But, of course, in the background was his family. And he had a daughter. And I couldn't stop looking at her face. Mm-hmm. And I just kept wondering, what is it like? You know, what must she be going through right now? And I just kind of, at that point, started imagining Maddie. And she's someone who has supported so fully for her whole life, 
her father. And she's like both literally and figuratively stood by him. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but yet, I guess in a way it is a coming of age story in in terms of her coming of age into her own personal and political belief Mm -hmm. because she discovers that they don't necessarily align with his. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I really think that's an important, that's such an important part of um, really what it, I think it's such, it's so worthy of being explored within our own community because too often the personal and political lives of people in the Latinx community, um, it gets oversimplified by an outside gaze. You know, I've had people, um, you know, tell me that they assume, they already assume what must be most important to me and what my views must be just because of the fact that I'm Latina. Um, And I didn't want to write that because we all know, even within our own families, that a lot of um, disagreements and a lot of different views can exist. And we don't always have, we're not just this monolith. Absolutely. Um, And so for me, I just wanted to explore like, yeah, like what happens if Maddie realizes her views and um, the the idea of power was super important to me because, um, you know, as we all know, like growing up, um, you know, like I, I didn't grow up feeling empowered to talk back to my parents. Mm. I didn't grow up, feeling like I could question, um, you know, my father in, in like these really big ways. And, um, and yet that is her journey, you know? And so she feels pretty powerless, but then she comes to not only embrace her own power, but then kind of find out like, what is it like to hold those who are in power to account Mm -hmm. for the things Mm -hmm. they're responsible for? Um, so to me, this book became a book about her finding her voice, but also the power of raising it in protest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think yeah. that oh, sorry, go ahead. no, I really like the way that you use um, the tools that you use uh, of uh, teens worlds, right? Like technology is so important. Social media, mm-hmm. which she was um, sort of um, not allowed to use, right? Just to protect her, protect the family yeah. and things like that. And those are the tools that nowadays, not only us, you know, uh, adults, but also young, young people is how they interact and, 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 and feel like seen or that they have a voice or that they could possibly mm-hmm. join a movement, right? We saw um, Emma Gonzalez um, yeah. in, uh, after the shootings, right? Um, and, and how powerful that was. And so when I was reading the novel, I kept thinking about that, of the power of youth mm. and social media and technology. And I really like how you incorporate this in a, in a real way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that was really important to me because I knew I personally, like I love social media, but I have, um, you know, I think as many of us do, we have like a complicated relationship mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that frustrates me is when I see it be... Um, you know, I guess, I guess simplified to um, when people like to say that those raising their voices on social media are like masses or just, Mm. you know, and and I just think that it has actually empowered so many people who previously didn't have a platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can't um, just toss that aside and pretend it's not important just because we have some criticism of, um, you know, of, of like how healthy it might be or how, you know, how many, how many hours we spend on it or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it is, it, it has become a tool um, that empowers entire movements mm-hmm. and especially in younger people. And so we would really, um, we'd be doing a disservice to kind of write it off 
Um, so I just wanted to explore all those complexities of it because it's true. Like in Maddie's family, her family, they don't want her using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways because they're trying to protect her from its toxicity. Um, but other ways, I think it's because they're afraid of what she might say. <laughs> yes, um, so how, you know, how does she navigate that? Mm-hmm. And how can um, we all navigate that? Right. And I and I really like how it connects the different the sort of um, uh issues right uh like the environment and mm-hmm. and um and even um uh, victim uh blaming you know and and mm-hmm. the incident that she experiences and and people need to read the novel so I'm not going to say too much but <laughs> <laughs> um but um but I really like how how those things are presented right and and that it makes you uh think about one, the reality of the region, right? Miami uh, mm-hmm. is under like extreme <laughs> environmental, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I don't know, downfall. I, there's there's a mm-hmm. lot of environmental problems in the area, but it also makes yeah. you think about Flint, you know, and 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 the and the mm-hmm. water um, problems that they had a few years and still have um, now. But right. you know, and so all of the th- the things that are uh, that are of concern now. Um, and I think of, um, you know, the, the time that this novel that is going to come out is, is going to come out is during a presidential, you know, uh, year and, and how maybe thinking about social media or, or young people, the power that they have to hold people accountable and how they do it. Um, is it marching, right? We're in the middle also mm-hmm. of a pandemic. We're in the yeah. middle of, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a illness pan- pandemic, like a, a virus, but then we also have the Black Lives Matters movement, um, and people are protesting and using their voices not only physically, right, and as they as they uh, march the streets, but also in social media, and mm-hmm. um, and I and and I think the novel is just so. You know, it, it 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 talks about all those things and brings all those things together, and and it helps us make connections and and how relevant it is. Sadly, right? Um, on, uh, in some ways, sadly, because we're still working through some of those issues, and and but there's an opportunity to hold people accountable, and I think um, the way that you presented um, through the eyes and the work of young people is pretty powerful. Thank you, thank you. I. I I was I was hoping that would come through because I do feel like I, it's inspired me to see um, young people and the way that they've um, they've led movements, you know. And like you mentioned in Flint, I mean, um, Little Miss Flint, Mari Copani, like she was eight years old, mm-hmm. and she, you know when this when it first happened, when it first came out, and she's still you know out there every day, like mm-hmm. and making her voice heard, fighting for her community, and um, and you know it's. It's not something that um, you would. It it makes me sad that they have to do that because really, in the in an ideal world, it would be the adults in the room who would be mm. really um, fighting for justice and right. holding those in power to account. Um, but it also makes, gives me a lot of hope for the future. And um, but I also I just wanted to hopefully honor that and and kind of also show you know kind of we started this conversation talking about place and mm-hmm. Miami is really um, so many of the things that happen environmentally in Miami are things that feel unique to Miami, but in a way they can be like harbingers Mm -hmm. for what will happen like in the future or even, or even they do reflect what's happening everywhere. So just in the ways that um, 
that development and gentrification affect, um, mm-hmm. you know, right. commun- communities of color the most, and then they are also environmental issues. Um, it, it's all connected. And so I just, I, I think that especially this moment that we're in right now, mm-hmm. where we are, like you mentioned, in a pandemic and, um, and the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. is, um, you know, we're seeing all these protests and they are, they're still going and that's really amazing to me. Um, it, I think it's just such an incredible testament to, to how these issues are connected. Like we talk about issues, but they're really people's lives, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. and, exactly. and I hope, yeah. So I just, I really like this book. It's funny. Cause you know, we do have, um, people like to call it a political novel, but I think all, all novels are political and <laughs> the personal is political. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I look back, even though this is my first YA book, and it, it, in a lot of ways, it was different from writing my first two. The one common thread amongst all of them is that it's the way the pol- like policy and, and politics is deeply personal to each one of these families. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So, Natalia, now that you have written for two different audiences, uh, do you feel like you have a preference? Was uh, one more? I, I don't know if if you would qualify <laughs> as difficult or fun or uh, what was it like to 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 um, write for different audiences? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's. I don't know that I have a preference. I just feel like um, I think each story that I write has come at a different time in, in my life, and so. Um, in which I needed to express or say certain things. Mm-hmm. And um, the stories and the the audience you write them for, it's like it all really is determined by that, by what place you're writing it from. Um, I think, in all honesty, there's so much I learned about uh, writing from a craft level for young adults that I know I'll take into my next adult books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I don't really see myself only writing for one or the other I just think that it's um it'll really make me more aware of like well what who do I hope to serve with this story Mm -hmm. you know who do I envision my audience being and um you know and and personally like this story for me was probably a little more fun to write than my first two (laughs) uh only because you know my first two like I mentioned uh Chasing the Sun was really about discovering it's a difficult part of my family history Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everyone knows even though it is a book full of joy it's also one that um I was trying to really just be true to the experiences of my family and my community um as immigrants and um as people like Mm -hmm. just really wanting to find a home somewhere and although there's a lot of beauty in that there is um there were parts of it that were very difficult to write Mm -hmm. and um and with running I think that because Maddie is just at this beginning of her journey mm. um, and and she she you know I wanted to follow her along and see where she goes and so seeing the ways that she kind of um, discovers her own power it, it brought me a lot of hope and mm-hmm. it empowered me yes and yes. so um, it was a lot of fun great Natalia is there anything else you would like to share about your work maybe future projects what's next I mean it's it's funny yeah. to talk about what's next when you when this novel is about to come out and I'm so excited <laughs> for everybody to read it but um but I know there's always you know the plan <laughs> the plans the project yeah yeah so it's funny because um, my next book 
Um, hasn't been announced yet, but it will be soon. But mm-hmm. one thing I will say is that it takes place in Central Florida. So that's like the other part of <laughs> where I live. It makes my whole like one book about each place that I've lived and that has <laughs> left an impact on me. I guess that makes that complete. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a YA novel and it's set in Central Florida. And I'm really thrilled for that. But I'm also just really thrilled to... Um, this summer, I mean, you know, running was supposed to come out in May. It'll be out July 14th now. And I'm just excited to be um, able to talk about it and share it Yay. with readers. Um, so I appreciate you having me here. Yes. And I mean, you have to write something about Austin, Texas, or one that's situated in Austin, <laughs> Texas, for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's, yeah, there, we'll see what the, the future is. Um, Natalia, muchas gracias por esta conversación. Gracias, Elena. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Mm-hmm.